0: One of our great worship pastors is Susie Land, and she may be making her way back into the auditorium. But uh, today, she turns 25, and her mom and grandmother are here. Mom and grandma, would you get my attention so I can see you? Hey, would you stand up? We love your daughter. Well, there's Susie right there with mom and grandma. Stand up. real Susie, you stand up too. Happy birthday, Susie. And to all of you, thanks for being here today. It's Great to have you. We are casting a vision to be stronger. We have five key areas. And from January until now, we focused on these these key areas. I'm coming back to the first one, which is faith. I'm going to put an emphasis on stronger faith through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. This shirt on the front, it says stronger. On the back, it has the five key areas. And it's a great conversation piece. Uh, Who doesn't have a shirt? You, you don't come up here, buddy. I see black shirt right there, first one. Clap it up. He raised his hand quick. There you go. And it, you can take it back to the table and exchange it for any color you may like. You know what I'm saying? All right. Uh, so, <laughs> just want to clear that up there. So, we're having a good time. I want to commend you. Last Sunday, we made the shirts available. You bought 1,100 of those shirts. That's great. Come on. Give yourselves a hand. They're available. Check them out. All right, 2 Corinthians. This is going to be so helpful to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Will you turn there with me? Look with me at verse 14. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and here's what it says. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I want to draw out a phrase and let it be our topic today. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about His power along the way and thought about His power. Today, can we think about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit? Pray with me. Lord, what an awesome time, and I I believe that you've worked in specific ways, and in all of that, you've also prepared us now to think, deeply about this subject called the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. You are a spirit of truth. You are a teacher. So would you lead us into this? And may it change us in Jesus' name. And everybody said. Kelly's grandmother went home to be with the Lord just a few weeks ago. We were there for the homegoing service. And in my part of reflecting on Grandma Oots, this is the verse I read. Because to me, she lived out... Uh, like an illustrated sermon of what it is to have fellowship of the Holy Spirit. But I wanted to know more about it. She lived the kind of life that made me desire a closer walk with Jesus. I hope that we all could live in such a way that that's our influence on other people. That was her influence on me. And when I talked about this fellowship of the Holy Spirit, I looked into that word and wanted to spend time, and I have ever since then, and I want to talk about it with you today. The word fellowship is a powerful word. It means a moment-by-moment, day-by-day connection. So it's far more than occasional. It is that intimate connection, that ongoing fellowship that really impacts our lives. Now, I don't know what your history of going to church may be and what, what the Holy Spirit uh, influence was in your history, if any. For me, I attended a church where they embraced the Holy Spirit. They embraced the truth of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We believed and, and, and sought after the power of the Holy Spirit. But along the way, there were pastors who were careful to remind us that the Holy Spirit is not just available for power to use, but the Holy Spirit is a person we can know. In my younger years, experiencing God's presence was more attached to power. It was more about that dunamis, that activity of God in empowering what it is you do. But I'm thankful that my perspective was broadened, and I had pastors to teach me that the Holy Spirit is not just an it, but that the Holy Spirit is a person. Not just a force, but a person. Robert Morris has written a book called The God I Never Knew. I highly recommend it. It has been a tremendous blessing to me for this message and the messages I'm going to give over the summer. But he says in his church history, uh, the Holy Spirit was seldom referenced. And when he discovered biblical truth about the person and the power of the Holy Spirit, it changed his life. And as we get into this, You can see why. He discovered that the Holy Spirit was a person that you could know. You're sitting in a chair. The chair is a thing. You are a person. You are a person who has a soul. What makes up your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Here's what I'm saying to you today. That the Holy Spirit is not a thing or an it. The Holy Spirit is a person... Therefore, the Holy Spirit has a soul. The Holy Spirit has a mind. The Holy Spirit has a will. The Holy Spirit has emotions. When I talk about our mind, I'm talking about thoughts, will. I'm talking about desires. When I speak about our emotions, I'm talking about our feelings. The Holy Spirit, as defined and taught through Scripture, has thoughts, desires, and feelings. Now, the Holy Spirit, who is part of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit, is perfect in thought, desire, and feeling. And isn't it a blessing to think that when Jesus ascended and said, Now I'm going to send you a comforter so that you're not left alone, that the one who comes to indwell us and empower us is the one who is perfect in thought, desire, and feeling. Because we struggle in the area of thoughts, desires, and feelings. So if we're going to walk out a transformed life, we have to build a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit so that our thoughts, desires, and feelings come into alignment with the Christianity that Jesus saved us into. I want you to see today that the Holy Spirit has amazing power. It's his power that drew a man 96 to want to have just a closer walk with Jesus. But it's his presence that will make that a reality. The relationship that he will continue to walk in with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, if you want to take some notes, this is just going to be very helpful. And I believe that out of it, it's going to create a greater hunger for this relationship. So the first thing is that the Holy Spirit has a mind. The Holy Spirit has a mind. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says that His thoughts are not our thoughts. Philippians 2, 5 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. So we see from just those two passages that the Holy Spirit has thoughts... And when it comes to the thoughts of the Holy Spirit, you know it's perfection, that the Holy Spirit knows everything, like nothing ever occurs to the Holy Spirit. Things occur to you and me all the time. The Holy Spirit is never at a moment where something just occurred, because the Holy Spirit knows everything about everything. Now, here's the, the intriguing part of this. If the Holy Spirit knows everything about everything and he, the Holy Spirit, is committed to be our teacher and to lead us into all truth, so the one who's leading us knows everything about everything, why not get to know him? Let's build a relationship and and, and discover at a new level the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Number two, the Holy Spirit has a will. In Acts 16, Paul is going to Asia to preach the word. And the Holy Spirit, it says, stopped him. Scripture says he was forbidden by the Holy Spirit to go to Asia and preach the word. Because the Holy Spirit has a will. And Paul submitted his will to the will of God, to the perfect will of the Holy Spirit. Later, the Holy Spirit is the very one who compelled Paul to go to Asia and preach the word. So the Holy Spirit has desire, has desire for us. Now here's another thought. Since the Holy Spirit has a will, and he is God, and his will is the will of God, and one of the top questions that all Christians ask is, what is the will of God for my life? Why not get to know the Holy Spirit who can instruct and lead us into the perfect will for which we were created. When it comes to the will of God, there's two components to it. the general and the specific. The general will of God can always be answered by the word. The specific will of God needs to be answered from the Holy Spirit. What do I mean? If you want to know how to be married, then open up God's word... And it will teach you how to be married if you want to know who to marry. That is a question that comes through the leadership of the Holy Spirit. You can't open the Bible and find it calling you by name and saying, hey, you marry this person. That is a Holy Spirit question. And if for no other reason to get to know the Holy Spirit. To have his guidance in relational health and strength would be worth it. Let's say you have a new job opportunity and you're wondering if you should take it. You can open up the word of God and the word of God is very clear about work. And that work honors God. But to walk through a door of a specific company is a question you need to bring to the person of the Holy Spirit of whom you have a relationship and let the Holy Spirit lead you in knowing the answer to that question. Where do your kids go to school? What should you do about a given challenge in your life? So you find a truth from the Word that gives you the boundaries. Then you want to go specific. I know that the Word of God gives me a green light to honor Him by serving Him in, in leading a church. I feel the call on my life is to pastor. Where should I pastor? That is a question that has to be brought to the Holy Spirit for the leadership of the Holy Spirit. That's why we, we need this relationship. He's perfect in thought. He's perfect in desire. He's perfect in emotion. And I need to know the next step. And He's the one who will shine light On the next step. So that I don't have to walk in confusion. But I can walk in the the momentum of knowing. I'm being led by God. Wow. Now it's just assumed. By what I've said. That the Holy Spirit has a voice. And we can hear that voice. One of the things that grandma was so convinced of. And lived out was that the Holy Spirit will speak to you. She lived on a campground of retired ministers. And this man came to her door one day, knocked on her door and says, the Lord told me that we're supposed to be married. And Grandma said, well, he hadn't spoke to me and I talked to him just this morning. She didn't need a word from God, from anybody else, because... She had her own relationship, and He spoke to her. He has a voice. He will speak to you. Hey, never build your relationship with the Holy Spirit through someone else. In the Old Testament, the only way they received a word from God was from the few people who could hear the voice of God that God chose to talk to. But in the New Testament reality, when the Holy Spirit came... The door open for all of us to have direct access. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you as much as anybody on the planet. So you never have to come up to me and say, can you get a word from God for me? Listen, God can give me a word for you, but I can't go get a word for you. He can give me one. I can't get one. You can always get a word from you as you go directly to the Holy Spirit because He has a voice. He will speak to you. He loves you. And if my, my kids come to me and say, need some direction, I'm not going to go silent. I love them. I want to hel- be a helper. I want to be a leader. That's the personality of the person of the Holy Spirit, let's get to know Him. There are sound waves coming through this room right now. And if I have a radio, I could scroll across the different channels, which are frequencies. And when I come on a frequency of a sound wave coming through this room, it will open up and we can hear songs. We can hear discussion. Because we have opened that frequency. We don't hear it right now. Because we're not dialed into that frequency. But it's happening. When we first got cordless microphones, which was such a gift to a pastor. You should have seen me trying to preach with a microphone that had a cord. And I remember when we got the first cordless microphone, but we didn't have frequency issues quite figured out. And while I would be preaching, truckers would be going down the highway nearby and... and you would hear a conversation over our sound system that a trucker's having with another trucker. So you hear me say John 3.16 and then breaker one nine. And that happened. How did that happen? Because they got on a frequency that opened up so that they could hear what we were saying, we could hear what they were saying. They were speaking, they weren't silent, we just weren't on the frequency but when we got on it, We can make out what they were saying. The Holy Spirit is speaking. If we'll just open our heart and dial in through prayer and relationship, we can hear the voice of God saying, Here's the way, now walk ye in it. What a way to live. What a blessing from God that he's given us the Holy Spirit as a person. See, that's fellowship. That's the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has emotions. He has feelings. There's a list called the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 and there are characteristics of the Holy Spirit that we can develop. The second one is joy. Think about how emotional joy is. I hope you know that the Holy Spirit is a glad spirit, a joyful spirit. In Ephesians 4, however, it says, Be careful not to grieve the Holy Spirit. So in two passages, we see that the Holy Spirit has emotions, the Holy Spirit experiences joy, and the Holy Spirit experiences grief. Like, what grieves the Holy Spirit? Well, it's in Ephesians 4, around Verse 28 That it says, don't grieve him. From verse 25 to verse 28, it describes all kinds of things like lying, gossip, bitterness, in other words, sin. And it shows that it is sin that grieves the Holy Spirit. What happens when we grieve the Holy Spirit? Does it sever relationship? No. It severs fellowship. On Friday, our family was together and Kelly said, you know, it's just so different that I can't just pick up my phone and call grandma. She called her grandma because she's still Kelly's grandma. The relationship is still intact. But the fellowship is not what it was. One day it will be restored. And so there's grief, not because there's a relationship gone. There's grief because the fellowship has changed. When we grieve the Holy Spirit, it doesn't sever our relationship. It disconnects fellowship. Don't think if you, if you mess up, you fall into sin, that the Holy Spirit walks away. The Holy Spirit will no longer walk away from you then as a parent you would walk away from your own son or daughter when they mess up. See, you're not in a relationship with the Holy Spirit because you're perfect. You're in a relationship with the Holy Spirit because He's perfect. This is really like a good place to get excited. I'm not in a relationship and kept because I can live in perfection. I am in a relationship because Jesus Christ was and is perfect, and because of his perfect, sinless life that satisfied the justice and holiness of God, a door swung really wide so that all sinners who repent could be brought into a restored, reconciled relationship. And then when we fall short, we don't sever relationship, we sever fellowship. But if we will repent, he's faithful and just. Robert Morse, who wrote the book that I'm encouraging you to read if you can, shares how years ago he was preaching at another church as a guest speaker over a weekend of ministry. And he spoke on Friday night, and the Holy Spirit really used him in some ways of giving words, prophecies, and it was accurate, and, and God, he just knew God was using him. When he finally got back to his hotel that night, He was flipping through the channels, and there was something on the television that he should not have watched. But he gets very real, and he says, but I watched it. And he said, the next night when I was in the service, he said it was was a whole different sense of God's presence and usefulness. The next morning, he went to church, and the pastor was scheduled to preach that morning. And the pastor said, today I want to preach on grieving the Holy Spirit. He said, when you grieve the Holy Spirit, it's like you stiff-arm the Holy Spirit. You push Him away. And he's just amazed that this is the message, because what happened in his hotel room on that Friday night when he watched something that he shouldn't have watched, he said it wasn't a one-time occurrence. He said it didn't happen every day, it didn't happen every week, but... It happened with a measure of consistency that when something like that was on, he would watch it. And he said it was wrong. It was sinful. And he realized that he was, he was pushing away. Not the relationship, but the fellowship. And he said, so as I sat there and listened to the sermon... I made up my mind when he gives the altar call, I will respond because I want to get this right. His next thought was, and all of these people will think I'm going to the altar because I'm convicted of not reading my Bible enough or praying enough. And he said before he gave the altar call for people to get out of their seats and come forward, He made this statement. Now let me be clear, the pastor said. I'm not just speaking to people who don't read their Bible enough or pray enough. I'm talking to people who are doing something and you know it is wrong. It's out of bounds and you are stiff-arming the Holy Spirit and it's affecting your fellowship with the Holy Spirit and you need to get it right today. He said, wow. But he said, I was the first one to that altar. And he said that morning... As I humbled myself and repented, he said the Holy Spirit broke that stronghold in my life. This is a pastor one of the leading churches in this nation and one of the greatest influencers in the world. We just got honest and talked about how that fellowship was not what God wanted it to be. See, today, I I hope by this message that there's just a a desire in all of us to want to know Him more because why would we not? But I hope we would also ask ourselves if we are doing anything that grieves the Holy Spirit. And if we know we are That we would be honest and humble. And we would repent so that that fellowship could be restored. In Revelation verse 3 and 20, Jesus is dealing with one of the seven churches. So he's not dealing with lost people. I've heard people use this verse speaking to someone who's unsaved. But in context, Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anybody who hears my voice and will open up this door, I will come in and have fellowship. He's speaking to his church that once had a fellowship that had changed. It wasn't like it once was. Listen to him talk to another church. You're doing so many things well, but you have left your first love. What is that the essence of leaving your first love? A change of fellowship. Things layer our heart and we don't have an interest, longing, or passion for Jesus like we once did. We're not growing in our fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Yes, there's still a relationship, but the fellowship is so different than it used to be. And revival within a church is a renewal of First love, of fellowship, of walking in step, of having a heart, of saying, I don't want anything in my life that would be grieving the Holy Spirit. The reason that's, that the Holy Spirit takes this seriously is not because the Holy Spirit is a prude. The Holy Spirit is a person who loves us, and the Holy Spirit knows that sin hurts us. And when we sin, it grieves the Holy Spirit because it affects fellowship and it turns into destructive things in our lives. Just like you wouldn't want to see your kids do something that you would know hurt would hurt them, it would grieve you, not because you're upset with them, you love them. And that's the Holy Spirit's heart toward you. He's a person. And so you will sense in your heart when you're about to traffic in a realm that's out of bounds of Scripture. The Holy Spirit is trying to stop you. But if you stiff-arm Him and do your own thing, it grieves Him. Hey, the Holy Spirit is is here today. I want to know Him more. I want somebody to be able to say, at my funeral... Ron Woods lived in a way that demonstrated and lived out, illustrated the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Let's go back to that verse, if we can, in 2 Corinthians. And I want you to see the symmetry, simplicity, the power. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The Trinity is right here in this verse. The Lord Jesus Christ, God, who is God the Father, and the Holy Spirit. God's answer to all humanity is in this verse grace, love, and fellowship. Grace for our sin. Love that removes fear and changes our lives. Fellowship that gives counsel, comfort, direction, help, power. You name it, the Holy Spirit is there. Oh, it's so, it's like an ocean of resource. Why take a thimble to the ocean? If I'm just getting a thimble's worth of fellowship, it's because I'm only dipping a thimble into the ocean of resource. If I exchange it for a glass, I only get a glass. If I exchange it for a bucket, I only get a bucket. If I get a whole tanker truck, that in other words, there's no limit to the capacity of the Holy Spirit. And if I want to know Him more, He's not limited. It comes back to what I'm bringing And if I'm just bringing a thimble's worth of commitment, then that's all I'll get in return. I hear the Holy Spirit saying to the church, if you will just have a heart for me, I will bless you. I'll help you. I'll empower you. I will make you successful. I will lead you. I will counsel you. I will do everything and more because I am a limitless, all-powerful, infinite God. And I love you. I long to be in your heart and in your life. Oh, praise you, Jesus.